0: today is our San Diego-based editor, Marion Webb, and Barnaby Pickering, a reporter in London. So I'll start with Barnaby. So Barnaby, this week you wrote a follow-up on your story about Lumera DX's SPAC float, discussing how an analyst came up with their projected target prices for that. Tell us all about that.
1: Yeah, so on the 28th of September this year, obviously, uh, Lumira DX was floated on the NASDAQ following a merger with the special purpose acquisition company, CA Healthcare Acquisition Corp. On its first day of trading, its share price fell from $9.94 to $7.94, marking a pretty poor return on the initial $10 per share investment. Most commentary around this didn't seem too shocked by the development. There is a lot of uncertainty in companies like Lumira that offer point-of-care diagnostics simply because of waning COVID-19 revenues. Many of these companies grew to become relevant because of the pandemic and are now left in a sudden situation where they have to rely on prior product platforms to survive.
0: And what about this target price? So what's going on
1: with that? So prior to the float, analysts Destiny Hans and Jeffrey Cohen at Leidenberg Thalmann gave a target price for Lumira of $14.75. Following the poor first day performance, they reiterated this price on the 30th of September. I spoke to them about how they came up with their price target and whether or not they would be sticking with it going forward.
0: And what did they say about that?
1: So their underlying arguments were centered around how MedTech is, despite the numbers often involved, quite undervalued Compared to Pharma, they explained that a medtech company working in a quote unquote super sexy area can be worth up to 100 times its yearly revenue. Shockwave Medical was a good example that they pointed out. Its market cap is currently over seven billion dollars, despite reporting projected 2021 revenues of less than 250 million dollars. All right, so why does Lumera stand out? For the duo, Lumira stands out because of its installed platform base, which is simply the number of machines it has in hospitals or clinics around the world. During the pandemic, a number of companies increased their installed base. However, many did not so to the extent of Lumira. Thanks in part to a partnership with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and obviously due to the pandemic, the company has been able to get over 15,000 of its testing platforms out there. Moreover, Lumira has a huge product pipeline ahead of it, with 2022 being the year in which it plans to obtain clearance for products with a total addressable market worth over 4 billion dollars. And the analysts feel that 15,000 devices will make it much easier for Lumira to capture a significant share of this market.
0: Well, thanks for that. That is an interesting story that we continue to follow, and I think there'll be a lot more about SPACs and what's going on with those or not going on with those in the future. So, Marian, this week, you published two different stories that offer a CEO's perspective on some of the biggest issues in MedTech right now. So what can you tell us about that?
2: Yes, Reed. So my most recent story focuses on health equity and environmental governance, both of which have become imperative for MedTech companies to address and also for the larger industry. Abbott, which of course represents the biggest US medical device companies, set out to address the issue of health equity, which has gained a lot of traction since the pandemic because it really brought to the forefront the underlying racial inequities and socioeconomic inequalities that exists in the U.S. healthcare system. And the industry is finally coming together to address these issues at their own companies and also as an industry as a whole.
0: Right. And in your story, you highlighted what the CEOs of some of the biggest medtech industry companies had to say during the recent AdMed MedTech conference about how they plan on addressing sustainability and health equity. So what can
2: you tell us about that? Yes, for instance, Mike Musalem, the CEO of Edwards Life Sciences, who sat on a panel discussion that I moderated at the Admin conference in Minneapolis, agreed that the data has shown that people of color are underserved and undertreated. And he noted that this really raises the question, why do these communities distrust healthcare systems? And he said, it starts by looking inward. It, whether companies, employees, and leadership represent the patient communities they serve. He also noted that the industry has a lot of work to do on this front, but said that they're focused on doing just that. Also, in another panel discussion, Medtronic's CEO, Jeff Martha, for instance, also said that environmental, social, and governance is a big deal at Medtronic, and the company laid out a plan that aims to have 45% of global management positions held by women and 30% of US management positions held by ethnically diverse talent by fiscal year 2026.
0: That is fantastic. And the CEO of BD also made a big statement on sustainability. What did you hear from him?
2: Yes. Yeah, so Tom Poden, who is the CEO of Beckton Dickinson, echoed the sentiments of other medtech leaders who said that ESG criteria are a must-have for companies to be competitive, attract investors and employees and stakeholders, and just be a good global citizen. And one of the things that BD is doing, they're looking at using sustainable products, and he gave the example of plans to launch trays that are made of biodegradable bamboo rather than plastic. And if you think about that, the firm makes 45 billion disposable medical devices a year, of course, that would have a significant impact on the environment. Yet, with all of these efforts, the EY 2021 Pulse of the Industry Report noted that the med tech industry lags behind many other industries in terms of responding to sustainability demands from manufacturing process to packaging and recycling of products. So that will be an important step for the industry to catch up to other industries.
0: Well, that's very interesting. And you also wrote another piece that's going to publish this week about post-pandemic perspectives. And the CEOs talked about that,
2: right? Yes. So this story also focuses on how the pandemic will reshape the medtech industry, in particular in terms of innovation, supply chain, digital technologies, and the shift from hospitals to home, among other issues.
0: Well, that's all very good, Marian, and we look forward to reading those two pieces.
2: Thanks, Reid. You've also written recently about companies making big pronouncements about trying to be better global citizens. So what have you seen recently in this area?
0: Yeah, that's right. So as you mentioned, Medtronic recently made a big splash with its first report on its environmental, social and governance ESG initiatives. It's cha- also changing the tagline to its brand. So it's now Medtronic, colon, engineering the extraordinary. So we will hear a lot about that. In addition to the environmental challenges uh, that they're addressing, and you mentioned that, the company also mentioned some of its attempts to improve its safety record. As we've written about on our regulatory coverage, they've had 10 class one recalls in the last year or so, which is obviously not what anybody would want. Um, And they talked about how they're going to try to improve that and, and reduce their complaint numbers. Uh, they've also made efforts to diversify their management team. So Mentronic has 12,000 management positions around the world. And its goal is to make sure that women hold about 5,400 of those uh, in the next five years or by the end of the next five years. It also wants to make sure that about 2,200 of its 6,500 management jobs in the U.S. in particular are held by so-called ethnically diverse talent. Uh, the target for that is fiscal 2026. But I also wanted to bring attention to an older initiative that Medtronic announced back in April. So back then, they struck a deal with the American Diabetes Association and the T1D Exchange, which is a Boston nonprofit research group to improve access to diabetes care in particular. Many studies have shown there are big racial disparities in diabetes management in the US. Medtronic's own data show that people of color with diabetes are three times less likely to use technology-based tools like the ones Medtronic makes than uh, white people with diabetes. So what are they going to do about that? They mentioned a few things. They set up a health equity advisory board and that has 10 experts with extensive experience on researching demographic disparities in diabetes care, a very specific area the board will recommend strategies that Medtronic can adopt to address those challenges and bring its technology to more of those people. Some of the issues are just a question of improving communication with these various groups of people, including people who don't speak English as their first language. So they're working with these other organizations to test better communication strategies to reach, for example, Spanish-speaking Americans. They're also trying to do a better job of reaching Black Americans. Um, A big issue is how the clinical trials for these devices are done. As we've written many times before, clinical trials disproportionately enroll white men unless the trial investigators do something specific to really try to diversify their trial population. It's especially a big issue in diabetes because it disproportionately affects some of these other groups like Black Americans So, for example, Medtronic is going to work with the NIH on a trial that specifically targets glycemic control in young black people.
2: And Abbott is doing something along these lines, too, right?
0: Yeah, that's right. That happened this week. And that's what made me think of that Medtronic initiative from a few months ago. Um, This week, Abbott announced a bunch of initiatives to drive diversity in medical research. The company is going to dedicate at least five million dollars to fund nearly 300 new scholarships over the next five years at medical schools connected to historically black colleges and universities as well as minority nursing associations. Uh, So the next generation of investigators is more diverse, and hopefully that whole scene will be more welcoming to different kinds of people. Uh, The company has also formed a new diversity and research medical advisory board and dedicated funding to increase diversity enrollment within Abbott-sponsored clinical trials. This is all connected to the charity of the Abbott Foundation. Now, specifically, they said they dedicated an unspecified amount of money to improve access for women and underrepresented communities within uh, Abbott-sponsored trials. This funding will support additional trial sites for some Abbott trials, some new investigator training opportunities, and some other efforts specifically targeted to eliminate barriers to trial participation. For some cases, for example, it might just be as simple as helping people get a ride from their house to the trial site. Or maybe they need an interpreter to speak the language that they know better than English. You know, obviously, the more easily a patient can explain what's going on with themselves, the more information they can provide to the investigators, then the whole trial will be more useful. So, of course, Abbott, as we've written about many times, is kind of the leader right now in in diabetes devices with its Libre platform, which has just been a huge blockbuster for them. So, obviously, a lot of this is going to be about diabetes. Anyway, so I'm going to talk to the company about that later this week, and I'll have a more detailed article on that this week.
2: Great. I'm sure that they're keen to show that Medtronic isn't better than they are in this area. Thanks, Reed and Barnaby. You can read about these topics and a lot more at medtechinsight.com. In addition to other things we just talked about, there's a lot of new coverage of recent mergers and other financial news in MedTech. For example, 23andMe acquired telehealth company Lemonade for $400 million, and that's a good place to remind readers that we have data trackers on the site that have lists of all the M&A deals and financings that are announced, and we update those lists daily. You can find those under the pull-down menu for data. Also, this week, there will be a few stories on the new 2022 Medicare Physician Fee Schedule final rule and how that impacts a few medtech companies. So look for that. And of course, there's a lot of news out of Europe about the IVDR and MDR implementation. You can find all our past Device Week podcasts on the side or just go to medtech.com, pharmaintelligence.com slash podcasts. The archive of Device Week and the rest of Informa Pharma Intelligence podcasts are are available on the Informa Pharma Intelligence channel on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Spotify Podcasts, and via smart speakers, if one of those platforms has been set up as your default podcast provider. You can find us on Twitter at Medtech_Inside. underscore insight. I'm at medtechmarion, M-A-R-I-O-N. Reed is at medtechreed with two E's. And Barnaby is at medtechbarney. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of day.